thank you that your promises are sure. And to those of us who are in you, they are yes and amen. And you said that all who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. You said that, that your promises are sure to your people. And you never will leave us or forsake us. You are building your life in us, Lord, that foundation of love and forgiveness that you pour out so freely to us, Lord. We talked about that at Vacation Bible School, Lord, this week. And I pray that, that even the adults would begin to understand more and more what that means to have those foundations built in our lives, built on your love, that our faith and our heart will be for you, Lord, that the, the storms of this life will not overwhelm us, but we'd be built on that solid rock. Our foundation would stand and our everything about us would stand. Nothing the enemy would do. Nothing this world could do could stand against us because we are in you, Lord. No weapons formed against us will prosper. And I thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to know you, to walk in your glory and your goodness, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak that to each person here this morning. Everyone here would sense your goodness. Everyone here would know how precious they are in your sight, Lord. That you paid the price. You gave everything so that we could know you, that we could experience you, that we could walk with you, Lord. And I thank you that you, you fulfill your word. You provided everything we need on the cross, Lord. You atoned for our sin. You took away all of our guilt and our shame. You provided for our physical and emotional healing. You provided for healing of relationships that are broken. You provided for healing of our finances, for every issue of life, Lord, you have made a way. I thank you, Lord, that you are careful to not overlook anything. As your servant Joshua said, he reminded the children of Israel, he said, out of all the good things that God has promised and said he would do, not one thing has failed. He has not failed to do one thing that he promised, but he has fulfilled his word completely. Lord, I want to know that. I want to know that today, that everything that you have promised, you will do. Everything that you said over my life, you will perform. We talked about this week, Lord, that he who has begun a good work in you will, will complete it. You will complete it, Lord, until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you are working in us to perform your good word, and you don't stop short. You don't give up. And I thank you, Lord, that you just keep drawing us closer, keep moving towards us and encouraging us to move towards you, Lord. And your spirit walks with us daily, walks and lives in us daily. And the truth of your word guides us. It is a light for our feet and our path, Lord. And we don't have to figure all this out on our own. You're there to lead us and guide us. You lead us by your spirit and by the truth of your word. Speak words of encouragement to your people today, Lord. We need you. We need more and more of you. We need to know you, know your heart, know your ways. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see you as you are so that we can be changed and be like you. 
And then help us to see other people the way you see them, Lord, so that we wouldn't be quick to judge or quick to give up on people or quick to, to reject them or push them aside because maybe they're different than we are. They, they look different, they talk differently, or, or they believe something a little different. Lord, help us to be like you and to love people with no strings attached. Lord, I thank you so much that you love me that way. You loved me when I was your enemy. And when I was your enemy, you loved me so much that you gave your only son for me. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Help us to love like you. That we, we would be willing to sacrifice and give. That we would be willing to, to love people, even those that are they're hard to love, even those that are difficult, they're challenging, they require more, more patience and grace. And yet, Lord, you've promised us everything we need in this life. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Just breathe in his goodness now as Carol plays. Just, just let his goodness flow over you. Let the Spirit of the Lord fill you with his goodness. Fill you with hope for tomorrow.
created the heavens and the earth. You made everything that, that shows your goodness and your glory, reveals you as the creator. Lord, we choose to honor you and worship you as the creator. We're not going to dream up something in our own mind, but we're going to worship you as you are revealed in your word, Lord. I thank you for that. <coughs> Hallelujah. So, Lord, this sweet spirit, this presence that we feel this morning, I thank you for that, and I pray that you, you seal this work in our hearts, Lord, what you've spoken to each one of us now. Help us to receive it by faith and, and to not walk out of here and forget what you're saying to us. In these quiet moments when we're in your presence, Lord, help us to grab a hold and hold on to the word that you speak to us so that we'll have the strength to face all of life's challenges and not just go through them, but we'll go through them victoriously. That we'll go through them uh, in a way that, that would astonish all those that know us. They see the difficulties we have and they look at us and they say, I don't know how you do it. We do it because of your grace, Lord. It's all because of your grace. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our cries. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So you can be seated. And uh, Amber, you want to share something with, with the folks about uh, BBS? Go for it, Amber. Well, I just want to say thank you to everybody that came out and helped pull off a really, really awesome week of Vacation Bible School. Um, as you can see, we got a little extra with our decorating, and we went a little over the top. Thank you, worship team, for not having a meltdown or freaking out when you came in and saw the stage. I really appreciate all of your help. Um, it, it means a lot to me. I was really nervous that um, this thing was going to be a flop on my end, and I was really, really nervous in the months leading up to it, and I just put it in God's hands, and I trusted that you guys were going to be faithful and obedient to his call in your heart, and uh, it worked out. Uh, crazy, right? <laughs> But again, thank you. Uh, we saw several children uh, receive Jesus for the first time this week, this week which is really what it's all about. Um, several kids who um, just found a way to refocus on what God was saying to them and, and what God had to say about them. Uh, we were focused on the foundation that you can find in Jesus this week, the foundation of love, the foundation of worth, foundation of forgiveness, foundation in his promises, and the foundation for life. Um, and these children got to hear what that what that was all about, which I think right at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, again, thank you for all that you guys did. It meant the world to me to see all of you guys pouring into those children. I know that's my call. That's where I feel, you know, that chaotic moment where you're just like, what is going on? That's kind of my sweet spot. I know it's not everybody, so I appreciate you being there and diving headfirst in with me because... I would do every second of it over again, every single second, to see what we saw this week. So thank you. Amen. Thank you, Amber. Uh, so this is uh, this is her first vacation Bible school as our children's director. Woohoo! Uh, I hope we've had a good transition from uh, Bonnie and all those years of service to Amber, and we're excited about that. So we're ready to show that video. So we got a little video, it's not long, but it's going to show you a few of the activities and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Hey, let's, 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 
Jonathan for all the videos yeah. and all the hard work he's put in. We, this is a fun way. I felt kind of like uh, that, uh, was that Bill Murray, was it the Groundhog Day? Uh -huh. You know, every day I was cutting my fingers off or smashing my toes or something. But uh, we had a lot of fun. Kids had fun. So thanks for all the hard work. And uh, I think it was a smashing success. So <laughs> we had fun doing it. I was told to announce that we raised $267 for the kids raised, not us. Good. The kids all brought change and raised $267 to donate to the Texas 50 and Good. That was because we threw that out as a contest. They, uh, we told them if they raised $100 or more, they could doctor me up with something. And uh, Amber's one that dreamed all that up. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can still smell chocolate. Yeah. It's really in there. It's really in there. That maple syrup was kind of sticky. When I got home, like my arm was sticky, and I, I put a dry shirt on, and I had to, like, it was like, peel it off my back. I couldn't hardly get my shirt off. It was stuck. Anyway, it was fun. Kids had a good time. Okay, so we're, we're in um, Colossians chapter 2, and today we're going to be in verses um, 21, 22, and 23, and I think we're going to finish Colossians 2 today. I'm excited about that. You probably are too, although I'm not in a hurry. Because God's Word is alive and powerful, and uh, as long as we're talking about God's Word, it's good. Yeah. So I'm going to back up and uh, start in verse 16 and read it so you get more of the overall context. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations, such as do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So, we talked about, uh, in, the, in the past few weeks, we talked about the basic principles of the world, and, uh, you know, we're living in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world, but the basic principles of the world, there are, there are things that the world say that you've got to do. You know, they say you've got to go to school, you've got to go to college, you've got to you know, you got to party if you want to be popular, and you got to, you know, you got to have the, the, you know, buy your bootstraps, work ethic, or you'll never make it. A lot of those things they tell us. There's some truth, but there's also there's a lot of misinformation there too. 
Because the truth is, you're never going to be fulfilled or satisfied or accomplished or be or do what you're supposed to be and do apart from Christ. And it's through God's grace that we're able to do and accomplish all the things that he's given us to do. And so, yes, it does require some work. We do our part, we work. But we have to acknowledge that it's only by his grace that we can really accomplish that stuff. Because, think of it this way, if it weren't for God's grace, he wouldn't, you wouldn't have the gifts and the talents within you. You wouldn't have the ability to learn, the ability to develop skills. You wouldn't have any of that if it weren't for God's grace. He created us the way that we are. And we're all different and unique. That's why some people are engineers and architects and doctors and lawyers and other people are, you know, they're everyday workers. They're not so highly educated. Doesn't mean they're not smart. It just means they haven't pursued that greater education. They do things. A lot of people are highly successful and they don't have college degrees. There's other people who have college degrees that are total flops. The point is, we need to acknowledge that all the stuff that the world tells us is not completely right and true. And if you, if you listen to what they say, you will go down the wrong path. You need to, to take what they say and compare it to what God says. And you pick the good stuff that the world says, and you can apply it to your spiritual life. But all the other stuff, you need to just let it go in one ear and out the other. Just like the pastor. Right out. But when you start entertaining what the world says and thinking, well, this, this is true. I need to do this. Then you're, you're starting down a path that is going to lead you to a, a lifestyle and a life that is not going to be very fulfilling and satisfactory. <clears throat> Paul said, don't let anyone cheat you. So God, God has a plan for each one of us. It's a good plan. And he's, he's made a way for each one of us to know him, to walk in all of his blessing and favor. But the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to confuse us, and he wants to distract us from that so that we don't, don't follow God's plan for our lives. And so it's an ongoing struggle. We know the truth but sometimes the truth is hard to follow. And we know the deception, but sometimes it's just, it's just so appealing and glittery and shiny. You know, there's a lot of things that glitter and they're not all gold. Matter of fact, most of it's not. But we get, we get attracted to the, to the bright lights and the, the, the things that attract us. Do you ever notice that the devil doesn't try to tempt you with ugly stuff? <laughs> I, even the commercials, you, know, you think about it, commercials for, you know, for various things, I mean, they always show, you know, these, like, supermodels, you know, men and women, you know, out there on the beach doing these things, and uh, it's just not reality, but that's the way they sell their product, and that's the way the devil does, he's trying to sell his product, he's trying to make us believe that his plan and his idea is better than God's plan, that's what he's always been trying to do. That's why he got kicked out of heaven, because he said, i got a better plan than you do, God. But he doesn't have the power to fulfill things like God does. He is limited in his ability to do things, but he wants us to believe that he can do anything. And he wants us to believe that, that we have limitations, and that is a lie that we don't need to be buying into. So, 
in, in the context of the scripture that we read, Paul's addressing an issue with the church in uh, Colossae because what was happening, people were coming in and they were telling them, you have to, you have to do these certain things. If you want to be right with God and you want to be holy and righteous, you know, you got to be really careful about what you eat, what you drink, and what you touch and handle, and all the different things in your life. You have to have this, this attitude of holiness that is above and beyond just normal. And, and like I said, there is some truth to that. God expects us to be holy and upright and righteous, but, but it is in Him that we are, not just in doing things on our own. And they said, don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. Those are all just superficial things. And Jesus dealt with that. When he walked as a man, he was constantly getting, getting uh, called into question by the Pharisees and the scribes because they, they were big in all this outward appearance. They did everything. Actually, everything was outward. And Jesus actually said one time, he said, you're, you know, you do all this stuff on the outside, but you're like a whited sepulcher. You're like a, you're like a big old grave that's just got a bunch of whitewash on the outside because inside it's full of dead men's bones and rotten, deteriorating flesh and nasty, gnarly stuff. That's what's inside of you. And all they were doing was putting on a good outward show. But he's, he was warning us about that. Don't let somebody come in and trick you by saying, oh, I'm so good and upright and this is the way you ought to be. If you could just be like me, you would be okay with God. We need to be like Jesus, not like some person. And we don't need to allow some person to tell us all the things that we should or shouldn't do. And we shouldn't be judged by some person. Judge yourself by the Word of God. If you do that, if you stay with the Word of God, you'll always be safe. It'll always be the right direction. It'll be the right thing. If God's Word says don't do it, then you shouldn't do it. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit takes the truth of the Word and applies it to your heart. Jesus talked about His blood being the blood of the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, God had said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, not like the one that I made with your fathers, and they broke. He said, but I'm going to make a new one. I'm going to put my word in your heart. I'm going to write it in your heart and in your mind. He puts his word in us and the Holy Spirit then applies that truth that's in us and shows us the things that we should and shouldn't do. And it's, it's not like a legal system. It's just a relationship. We're walking with the Lord and he is helping us figure out the things that are good for us, the things that are healthy for us, the things that we ought to do, the things that we ought not do. In a relationship, you'll find out pretty quickly if, if you're doing things that make the other person that you're related to unhappy, it makes your life miserable. It causes problems. You got a husband or a wife or a child or a friend or a coworker, and you're doing things that they don't like, it's gonna cause friction in your relationship. And that we don't want that. We don't want friction in our relationship. We want peace. Paul said, as, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone, especially those of the household of faith. I mean, we ought to be at peace with one. That's what we ought to strive for. And so our relationships are based on trying to get along, trying to do the things that make other people happy. 
how much more with God? It ought not be like a, a legal requirement that I've got this list of things I've got to do. I'm going to be at odds with God. It just should be your heart. You just walk with the Lord, and because He's put His Word in your heart, then you know, these are the things I should do. These are the things that I probably ought to stay away from. And if I, if I feel real strongly about certain things, that's between me and God. It's not for me to tell you that you have to feel just as strongly about it as I do. I haven't always been that way, I confess. And when I was younger, I was, I was strong in my beliefs, and I would tell people, you shouldn't do that. You know, now I'm older and got more sense. You know, I don't behave that way. But that's part of the process. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all changing, hopefully, day by day, becoming more and more like the Lord and more mature in our understanding of how the kingdom works. It's a relationship. So the kingdom, you're, you're in this relationship. He's the king, and we are his people. We sang that song, you know, God, you remember, remember your, your people, your children, your promises. So when you're in a kingdom, there's a king, and you're related to the king. In this case, we're the king's kids. Doesn't get any better than that. So it's a relationship. Yes, there are rules in the kingdom. There are guidelines. There, there is a way that if you, if you follow the rules and the guidelines, you walk in all the favor and blessing. If you get out of those guidelines, you get out there on your own. You're not walking in the favor and blessing anymore. It's, it's real simple. But it's not, it's not a list of requirements. It's a relationship. And you don't need me or anybody else to beat you on the head and tell you to get back in line. The Holy Spirit will tell you, get back in line. Come over here. This is where you need to be. That's what the Lord said. He said, you're going to hear a voice and it's going to tell you this is the way. Walk in it. Not to the right, not to the left. This is it right here. This is it. This is how you're supposed to walk. When you walk this way, you're walking right in that sweet spot. Right there, you're positioning yourself where you're right under the spout. And all of the outpouring of God's favor and blessing and His presence is just being poured out and you just positioned yourself right there under it. Kind of like me getting that syrup on my head. I just, I positioned myself and I got it. Do you have any pancakes to go with it? Yeah, I need some pancakes to go with it, that's right. So that's what I would like to encourage you to do. Position yourself so that God can lead you and guide you into the truth that you need. All the Bible is true and we ought to receive all of it as truth. But the Holy Spirit takes and applies the things that you need as you need them, when you need them, in the situations and the circumstances that you need them. And He applies those truths so that you can apply them. And then you don't need someone coming up and saying, don't touch that, don't taste that, don't handle that. You know, this is the way you need to do it. If you want to be right with God, this is the way you need to do it. That's the hallmark of a cult. They are telling you how you have to live. They're telling you you can't be married. You got to be married. You got to have multiple wives. You can't have a wife. You got. You know, I mean, they got all these guidelines and rules. They're just telling you all these things instead of letting you read the Word of God and find out what God says. A pastor or a preacher or a teacher is supposed to help reveal the truth, not rule and reign over you like some. You know, you're some slave or or servant. You're. Some, we are co-workers with God. That's right. Amen. 
We're fellow laborers with God. The only difference between you and me is that I'm up here. Other than that, we're all just the same. In God's eyes, we're all equal. We all are, are called. We're all chosen. We just have different different positions, different uh, giftings, different callings. But we're all part of the body. and We're all doing the thing that we're called to do. You're called to do certain things. I'm called to do certain things. I don't want to get in your business. And I don't really want you to get in my business either. <laughs> now, I, <clears throat> I'm fine. I'm really not very... Uh, I'm not very uh, thin-skinned. You can you can say things to me, and I respond to it. <laughs> How I respond? You're you're wondering what does that mean? <laughs> uh, it's all good. So <clears throat> Paul says, therefore, if you die with Christ in the basic principle of the world, don't subject yourself to all those regulations. Don't subject yourself to all that. You don't have to subject yourself to all that. You don't need someone to tell you every little thing about your life. What you need is to have the truth of God's Word revealed to you so that you can follow Him in a more clear path. And then he goes on and talks about verse 22. He said, which are, These are all things that concern things which perish with the using. Now perish means it's, it's a, a destruction or decomposition it's the separation of something into its constituent elements or parts until it no longer exists anymore. So in other words, you get used up. All these things you're talking about, don't touch this, don't taste this, don't handle that, all those things, they just get used up completely and they just don't exist anymore. So we don't want to waste a bunch of time and energy on things that are going to be used up and don't exist anymore. We want to work on eternal things, not temporal things. Temporal things, that means it's going to be gone. When we go and stand before the Lord, we want to be accountable for the things that are eternal. I don't want to have invested my life in a bunch of dead works. And when I stand before the Lord, if it's wood, hay, or stubble, it's just this big, huge bonfire and it's gone. And you look at your life and it's like, well... You know, I, I made it to heaven, but all my works were burned up because I was doing it for the wrong reason or with the wrong attitude or, or I was worried about trying to please men or I, I was trying to obey you know, my pastor instead of God or whatever. Those are all things that we ought to avoid. We want to work and do things that are eternal. Be focused on the eternal. So when you use it up and it's gone, that means it's exhausted. The resources of materials are just used up and gone. We don't want to be focused on that. We want to be focused on the things that are eternal, things that will stay. When we, when we reach kids in vacation Bible school, that's something that will stay. That's something that will last for eternity. If we go out here and just you know, mow the back 40, that's just an everyday activity. That's not eternal. That grass is going to grow back not going to change anyone's lives. I mean, there are everyday activities that we have to do, but we need to really try to focus as much as possible on eternal things. There are things that are, that are very significant and then things that are not so significant. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to get things out of perspective. We focus on the insignificant and we leave the significant things undone sometimes. Jesus talked about that. He said, you guys, talking to the Pharisees, he said, y'all don't worry about all the details. You know, you, you think you're so righteous. You pay 
tithe on every little piece of stuff you get, every piece of uh, food or money that comes to you, you pay a tenth of it. He said, those are, those are okay things to do, but he said the really significant things, like mercy and love, you just disregard that completely. So you're doing the, the little insignificant things and you're leaving the really significant things undone. That's what we need to do. We need to focus on the things that matter. Because there's going to come a day when this life is over for all of us, either because we pass out of this life due to natural um, causes or whatever, or if the, if the Lord returns and all of this world is done away with, either way, it's coming. And we're all going to experience that at some point. There's a certain amount of time that we have. Nobody knows how much time it is, but I would suggest to you that it's a lot less now than it was 10 years ago, or 50 years ago, or 100 years ago. It's less than it was last week. And tomorrow it's going to be less than it is today. We need to live our lives with an eternal focus. Picking out the things that are significant and investing ourselves in those and not getting caught up in the everyday temporal things that are not going to have an eternal impact. It's a challenge, I understand. Because we all have lives, we've got jobs, we've got homes, we've got family, things that have to be tended to. But we need to try to do the best we can to keep our priorities and our perspectives right so that we focus on the things that will matter eternally. So Paul goes on and he says, don't get all caught up in the things that are perishing with the using. According to the commandments and doctrines of men, now commandments, that's an authoritative direction or instruction to do something through speech or writing. And doctrines are the instruction or teaching. It's precepts or learning. But the thing about all these is that they are, he's qualifying them, he's not saying commandments of God or doctrines of the Word of God, he's saying these are commandments and doctrines of men. That's of a human nature, that's of a, a temporal mindset. It is not based in eternity. It's something that somebody has dreamed up and put out there, they created a list, and they say, if you want to be, if you want to be right, if you want to make me happy, if you want to get along with me, here's my list. And we've probably all got a list like that. You know, I expect you to do this and this and this. If you want to make me happy, this is what I expect. I know that other people have lists for me. I'm a lot more aware of those lists than I am of my own list. But that's the way we all are. We notice, we notice everything about other people. Like, you know, you got that little speck in your eye. Let me help you with that. And we don't notice that big log in our own eye. But that's the way we are. We tend to see that. So we see when other people have a list and we, we get offended sometimes by it. It's like, you expect me to do all these things? We have a list too. And we don't need to impose our list on anyone else just like we don't want them to impose their list on us. So these things have an appearance of wisdom. An appearance of wisdom. These are doctrines and commandments of men. Now Mark 7, verses 1 through 23, I'm just going to read this all to you because I think it's, it kind of sums all this up. The Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, Jesus, having come from Jerusalem, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. 
So they had their list out, you know, they were walking around with their list, just checking it. And they weren't Santa Claus, but they were checking it twice to make sure if you were obeying the list or not. Well, the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. So you can't just wash your hands, you've got to do it the way that I say you're supposed to wash your hands. There's a certain way you've got to do it. If you want to be right, you've got to do it my way. My way or the highway. They were holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came, uh, when they came from the marketplace, or when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. I mean, they were into cleaning. <laughs> Should have had them come to my house. <laughs> you come to my house. I got some cleaning for you. They like to they like to wash and cleanse everything because they thought. That made them holy and righteous. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is, it's a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. And many such things you do. And when he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he entered his house, away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter into his heart, but his stomach. And it is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. That little that little blurb there at the end of that, thus purifying all foods. That's pretty significant because Jesus is actually saying all foods are purified now. I mean, we're not under the ceremonial law about things that we can and can't eat. You may not want to eat something because it makes you feel bad or makes you sick. You may not want to eat something because you think it's unhealthy for you. But I'm just saying... We're not under any, any guidelines about food other than whatever God or you want to impose on yourself. This, is, this was Jesus talking, and he said, purifying all foods. And he said, whatever, what comes out of man, that's what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, Wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things come 
from within and defile men. So it's not what you eat or don't eat, it's what's in your heart. God is always interested in our heart. That's what it's all about. It's always been about our heart. But he started out revealing his plan to men back in the days of the, of the patriarchs by giving them some outward guidelines so they would have something to shoot for. Now, we're not shooting for the outward guidelines. we got the heart stuff. That's what we're shooting for, the relationship of our heart. And so, the doctrines and the commandments of men they have an appearance, a statement of facts or reasons used to support an argument. That word appearance is actually logos, which means word or message. But in this case, it means more of an appearance. In other words, it represents something. It represents a form of wisdom, but it's not really wisdom because it's, it just has an appearance of it. It is not the true wisdom which comes from above. And wisdom is knowledge, and it's accumulated knowledge or academic attainment or enlightenment, cleverness or skill. So in this particular case, what he's saying is, you have these guys come along and they're telling you, I know everything. I've got it all figured out. I've got all this education, all this experience, and I've attained this enlightenment. And I know all these things that you little peons don't know. And I'm going to reveal it to you so you can be enlightened like me. Someone starts talking that way, you better run. <laughs> because no one has all the truth. No one has all the revelation. No one has all the, the insight. And certainly, if someone is telling you they've got it, I would question where they got it and what it is. It has an appearance of wisdom, but it's, it is not God's wisdom. And it's a self-imposed religion, self-made religion, fashioning of one's religious practice according to what one wants or what he thinks best. I mean, that's, that's pretty clear there. These guys were coming in, and they had their own version of, of the gospel. They had their own version of the truth. And it didn't look like the truth or the gospel. And it didn't sound like it or feel like it, but they came in and they started trying to convince everybody that this is, this is the truth. This is right. It was a self-imposed religion. And we see that a lot in today's society. And it's not all religion as we think of it, but it really kind of is. Even science and, and learning is a form of religion. You know, people, some of the politicians seem to think that science is the all-consuming, all-knowing, all-important thing. And that if you don't believe that, then you're just some country bumpkin that you don't even have any credibility. And then there are other people that believe that what God says is truth. Amen. And what he says, we should stand in that and we should honor that and we should put that at the center point of all of our thinking. doesn't mean we reject science. Right. It just means we, we want science to be balanced with the truth of God's word. Yeah. And now, science is catching up to what God said years and years ago. Yep. I mean, people are more and more now beginning to prove what God says through science. And those who, I would just say, 
Those who reject God over science are really doing it because they don't want to be accountable to God. Because if you're accountable to God, that means you have to live your life according to His plans and purposes and principles, or you're going to be in danger of judgment. And they want to be free to just do anything they want. We want to do what God wants. Other people want to do what they want. They want to have complete freedom to just act and do and behave any way they want with no repercussions. They don't want to feel bad about it. They want to just do anything they want and not worry about the outcome. And if you deny that there is a God and you, and you put it all on some natural level, then that's what the animals do, right? They just eat what they want, kill what they want, make a mess where they want. I mean, they do whatever they want. And that's what, that's what men want to do. They want to be like the animals, just behave any old way you want, and it's all good. As long as you don't get eaten, it's okay. You can do the eating, just don't be eaten. <laughs> Romans 1, Paul talks about this, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their minds and thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. So Paul pretty well just puts it all right there on the table and says, here's the way it works. When you, you knew God, you saw Him revealed in creation, He was manifest, and you knew that, and you chose to worship the creation rather than the Creator. You chose to believe the lie. The lie, that's what it says, the lie, not a lie, the lie. It's the same lie the devil's been putting out there since the very beginning. That God's plan is not all he says it is. I've got a better plan. That's the lie. And, and we have bought into that. In this nation, we've bought into it. The church of Jesus Christ has even begun to buy into it. That we have begun to compromise on the truth of God's word. We are allowing things that, that should be Rejected as an abomination, and we're just, come on in, join right with us, it's okay, we accept everybody. Well, I love everybody, and I'm willing to accept everybody, but I'm not willing to condone their sin. I mean, I'm not going to say it's okay for you to sin. I mean, we're all subject to sinning from time to time, but if someone comes in and they say, I'm this, and it's, it's something that we all know to be contrary to God's word. And they're saying, that's just who I am. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to continue to be that way. 
And we can't just say, well, that's okay, brother. We'll just give you a break there. That's okay, sister. You can just be a liar and a gossip and, you know, you can just do that all you want. Uh, you can spread all that stuff all you want. It's okay. No, that's not okay. It's contrary to what God says. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a big issue of it, but I'm going to continue to teach and preach the truth. And if someone says, I believe this, what do you say? I'm going to say what God says. That's just, that's just the way it's got to be. Because God's way is the only way. Amen. So we have a self-imposed religion that is in our society and our culture. I mean, men are trying to tell you this is the way to live, this is the way to behave. You, gotta, you have to believe everything that everybody else believes or you're a, you're a liar and a bigot and a homophobe or you know, xenophobe or all those other phobes. You know, there's... I mean, they've got a name, and they don't know what they all mean. But I mean, if you don't agree with everything they say, you're one of those bad people, uh -huh. you know, one of those bad names. Uh -huh. So it's about, you know, we have to love everyone. The worst, vilest sinner, we have to love them. That's right. Because that's what God does. But he doesn't say you can continue to be the worst, vilest sinner. He wants to save people from their sin, just like he saved us from our sin. He didn't save me from my sin so I could just go on and be the same old person I was. I'm supposed to be changed. A new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. So, and these guys, they come in telling you about their self-imposed religion. They've got this false humility going, you know, that, oh, I'm nothing special. I'm just a person that's figured it out and I want to share it with you. I want to help you figure it out so you can be like me. Not that I'm special. But if you could just be like me, you'd be right with God because I got it all figured out. But I'm not special. I'm humble. And they suggest to you, if you just, if you just uh, do this, do that, and do this and do that, you'll be closer to God. You know, if you just crawl up these thousand steps on your bare knees, you know, doing your your repentance and all that, you know, that'll make you close to God. Or if you just deny yourself and you don't eat certain foods, or you just deny yourself and, you know, you don't allow uh, yourself to be married or, or to have children, or, you know, like, oh, I mean, you wouldn't believe all the crazy things that people have done in the name of religion. I mean, they even, you know, they have mass murder. They have them drinking the Kool-Aid and all that stuff. And it's all about because they've got their own self-imposed religion and they're telling you, my way is right. And there are people that buy into that. But we know what God's Word says. And it's not, it's not about neglecting our body, which that word neglect means it's an unsparing treatment. It's a ruthless handling of someone or something. It is severe self-control. Austerity. I mean, I don't mind a little austerity in my life, but uh, I don't want to do it just for nothing. I want to be doing it because there is a benefit. And it ought to be something that God is leading you to do. There ought to be some discipline that God is directing you to do that will lead to an eternal change in your life. That's significant. You don't want to do it just for the sake of trying to satisfy somebody else. I mean, you can neglect your body. You can punish your body. But it's not going to be of any value spiritually. 
the indulgence of the flesh. I mean, you, you can take your body and you can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to starve myself. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to make my body. I'm going to just beat it into subjection and make it behave a certain way. Right? That may be all fine and good, but that's not going to help you a bit spiritually. Because it's all about your heart. Worship team, y'all can come back. So, I want to read this verse out of uh, 1 Timothy 4, actually several verses. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. A good servant of Jesus Christ, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. So he's saying, follow the good stuff. Follow the truth of the word. Don't get caught up in, in all the other stuff because it's going to lead you astray. Command and teach these things. And so that's my commitment to you is that we're going to teach the truth of the word best as I can figure it out. And everybody who teaches and leads ministries in this body is going to be the same way. They're going to be teaching the truth of the word because that's that's the only thing that's going to make us who we're supposed to be. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus. Now, hopefully, you can follow me as I'm following Jesus and you see things in me that are, that are acceptable, then you can use me as an example. That's fine. But follow Jesus. Be like Him. Let's stand and worship.
that's exactly what we're talking about. We want to be holding on to Him. We want to be so caught up in that one who is unchangeable that we won't be tricked, we won't be deceived, we won't be cheated out of out of what God has for us by someone that comes along with a, a song and dance that sounds appealing. It has an appearance of wisdom or or something, but it's it is not God. Lord, I pray that we would hear you, know you, and see you, and that our discernment would be would be fixed between the truth and the lies. And we would see you and we would quickly discern the stuff that's false that we need to avoid. Don't allow us, Lord, to, to be prayed for, for those who would try to deceive us and trick us. Our, our eyes are on you. The truth of your word. We will teach and preach the truth. We will stand in your word. Not some false uh, form of humility or self-imposed religion having an appearance of wisdom, but we're going to stand in the truth of your word, Lord. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the truth that you are, Lord. You are the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. We choose you. I thank you that you provide us the Holy Spirit that can lead us into all truth. So, Lord, seal this word in our hearts and lead us into the truth so that we would quickly discern the difference between the truth and the lies. All day long, every day, our world bombards us with, with lies and deceptive thoughts, and we need to cling to you. Stand in the truth, Lord. Guide us and lead us and protect us. In Jesus' name. If you'd like special prayer for anything, someone will pray with you here at the altar. If you don't know Jesus, you can do that. Simple as uh, confessing that you are a sinner, that you need Him and inviting Him to be your Lord and Savior. That you want Him to live in your heart. Now receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you His peace. Go and be blessed. Don't forget we have adult prayer time on Wednesday night. Next Sunday, Jeff and Coco will be here. About a friend. It'll be a great time of worship and ministry. God bless you. Have a great week.